Epistle 29 of Epistles of Cyprian by Cyprian, translated by Robert Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Epistle 29, The Presbyters and Deacons Abiding at Rome to Cyprian. Argument. The Roman Church declares its judgment concerning the lapse to be in agreement with the Carthaginian decrees. Any indulgence shown to the lapsed is required to be in accordance with the law of the gospel, that the peace granted by the confessors depends only upon grace and goodwill, is manifest from the fact that the lapsed are referred to the bishops. The seditious demand for peace made by Felicimus is to be attributed to faction. The presbyters and deacons abiding at Rome to Father Cyprian, greeting, when, beloved brother, we carefully read your letter, which you had sent by Fortunatus, the subdeacon. We were smitten with a double sorrow, and disordered with a twofold grief, that there was not any rest given to you in such necessities of the persecution, and that the unreasonable petulance of the lapsed brethren was declared to be carried even to a dangerous boldness of expression. But although those things which we have spoken of severely afflicted us and our spirit, yet your vigor and the severity that you have used according to the proper discipline moderates the so heavy load of our grief, in that you rightly restrain the wickedness of some, and, by your exhortation to repentance, show the legitimate way of salvation. That they should have wished to hurry to such an extreme as this, we are indeed considerably surprised, as that, with such urgency, and at so unseasonable and bitter a time, being in so great and excessive a sin, they should not so much ask for, as claim peace for themselves, nay, should say that they already have it in heaven. If they have it, why do they ask for what they possess? But if, by the very fact that they are asking for it, it is proved that they have it not, wherefore do they not accept the judgment of those from whom they have thought fit to ask for the peace, which they certainly have not got? But if they think that they have from any other source the prerogative of communion, let them try to compare it with the gospel, that so at length it may abundantly avail them if it is not out of harmony with the gospel law. But on what principle can that give gospel communion which seems to be established contrary to gospel truth? For since every prerogative contemplates the privilege of association precisely on the assumption of its not being out of harmony with the will of him with whom it seeks to be associated, then, because this is alien from his will with whom it seeks to be associated, it must of necessity lose the indulgence and privilege of the association. Let them, then, see what it is they are trying to do in this matter. For if they say that the gospel has established one decree, but the martyrs have established another, then they, setting the martyrs at variance with the gospel, will be in danger on both sides. For, on the one hand, the majesty of the gospel will already appear shattered and cast down if it can be overcome by the novelty of another decree. And, on the other, the glorious crown of confession will be taken from the heads of the martyrs if they be not found to have attained it by the observation of that gospel whence they become martyrs, so that, reasonably, no one should be more careful to determine nothing contrary to the gospel than he who strives to receive the name of martyr from the gospel. 
We should like, besides, to be informed of this. If martyrs become martyrs for no other reason than that by not sacrificing, they may keep the peace of the church even to the shedding of their own blood, lest, overcome by the suffering of the torture, by losing peace, they might lose salvation. On what principle do they think that the salvation, which if they had sacrificed, they thought that they should not have, was to be given to those who are said to have sacrificed, although they ought to maintain that law in others which they themselves appear to have held before their own eyes? In which thing we observe that they have put forward against their own cause the very thing which they thought made for them? For if the martyrs thought that peace was to be granted to them, why did not they themselves grant it? Why did they think that, as they themselves say, they were to be referred to the bishops? For he who orders a thing to be done can assuredly do that which he orders to be done. But as we understand, nay, as the case itself speaks and proclaims, the most holy martyrs thought that a proper measure of modesty and of truth must be observed on both sides. For as they were urged by many in remitting them to the bishop, they conceived that they would consult their own modesty so as to be no further disquieted. And in not themselves holding communion with them, they judged that the purity of the gospel law ought to be maintained unimpaired. But of your charity, brother, never desist from soothing the spirits of the lapsed and affording to the erring the medicine of truth, although the temper of the sick is wont to reject the kind offices of those who would heal them. This wound of the lapsed is as yet fresh, and the sore is still rising into a tumor, and therefore we are certain that when, in the course of a more protracted time, that urgency of theirs shall have worn out, they will love that very delay which refers them to a faithful medicine." if only there be not those who arm them for their own danger, and, instructing them perversely, demand on their behalf, instead of the salutary remedies of delay, the fatal poisons of a premature communion. For we do not believe that without the instigation of certain persons, they would all have dared so petulantly to claim peace for themselves. We know the faith of the Carthaginian church. We know her training, we know her humility. Whence also we have marveled that we should observe certain things somewhat rudely suggested against you by letter, although we have often become aware of your mutual love and charity, in many illustrations of reciprocal affection of one another. It is time, therefore, that they should repent of their fault, that they should prove their grief for the lapse, that they should show modesty, that they should manifest humility, that they should exhibit some shame, that, by their submission, they should appeal to God's clemency for themselves, and by due honor for God's priest should draw forth upon themselves the divine mercy. How vastly better would have been the letters of these men themselves if the prayers of those who stood fast had been aided by their own humility. Since that which is asked for is more easily obtained when he for whom it is asked is worthy, that what is asked should be obtained. In respect, however, of Privatus, of Lembessa, you have acted as you usually do, in desiring to inform us of the matter as being an object of anxiety, 
for it becomes us all to watch for the body of the whole church, whose members are scattered through every various province. But the deceitfulness of that crafty man could not be hid from us even before we had your letters. For previously, when from the company of that very wickedness a certain futurist came, a standard-bearer of privatus, and was desirous of fraudulently obtaining letters from us, we were neither ignorant who he was, nor did he get the letters which he wanted. We bid you farewell in the Lord. End of Epistle 29, read by David Ronald.